Vinyl analysis is fueled by Grand Prix Karting. This week on Vinyl Analysis, lead singer of the band Rockhouse, Doug Blessing, joins me to talk L.A. Gunn's debut self-titled album. I remember how freaking cool I felt <laughs> yeah, taking a, my L.A. Gunn's album into school and starting to draw that logo on my notebook. And I got to explain to them who L.A. Gunn's was and what the connection was with Guns N' Roses, who, of course, were just breaking out. Vinyl Analysis. I am your host, Arch Madness, along with me, producer Greg Hansberry. Greg, Yo. Greg, and here's something I want to know. Okay. And, and you, you know how you get, um, now they have those little uh, desktop calendars with like all the different days. Like uh-huh. there's all these yeah. days, a donut day. Right. Yeah. You know, is there a producer's day? You know? I'm going to look it up. There's not. Greg. I, there's yeah. not. Okay. So maybe. Every day should be. No, 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 no. Damn it. Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. Now, let me look here. I'm going to make, what is, uh, February 12th is Producer's Day. Tight. Okay? Yeah. So, uh, we'll just, I'll make sure I get that gift card. Okay. I'll I'll go to, I'll run to Kroger's and and grab you, grab you a, uh, a gift card. (laughs) Get some fuel points there. All right. Now, without further ado... Let's meet our guest, Greg. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's do it. Former No Regrets, current lead singer of the band Rock House, Doug Blessing, joining us. Hey, what's up, guys? What do you think, Doug? And we had Stretch in here not too long ago. What do you think of the Vinyl Analysis Studios? Do you like this? I say, man, this is nice. This is nice. Thanks for having me in this week. And and uh, Doug, Greg, I don't know if you know. Well, you did because you're drinking his Elvis juice. Oh, yeah. He brought his own beer. <laughs> and what a neat mm-hmm. carrying case. What what kind of case is that? It's got a bottle opener on the side. It looks oh, like yeah. a bear's head. It's cool. It, it fits a six pack and uh travels with the uh with the bear head bottle opener. That is that mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Anybody who brings their own beer, any guest, is guaranteed to come back All right. for a second All right. visit. Exactly. So right. yeah. you, you yeah. just booked yourself again. Season four. It'll be right <laughs> so, uh-huh. next. so we've got uh producer's day. And then Doug Blessing will be back <laughs> for season four. So now, Doug, get us caught up. All right, get us caught up. So no regrets. Moving on. You are now the singer in a band called Rock House. Who is in that band with you? Because some of the cats from No Regrets making their way over to Rock House. Absolutely. Well, obviously, uh, our fans know that sadly our uh, founder and uh, lead guitarist, Luke Mountjoy, unexpectedly passed away last year in December. So, um, we uh, got together after the first year and um, kind of restructured a little bit. And uh, myself and Stretch, of course, mm. and our bass player Greg Pruitt. Oh, I love Greg too. Are uh, are moving on as Rock House. We uh, pull in a, uh, a journeyman drummer from here locally, uh, most notably from the band Hour of Shame, Brian Seraph, 
And uh, we're ready to tear it up, man. We've got a got a great lineup of shows this year, including a couple of uh, opening spots for some national acts. And uh, we're ready to get it out there. So uh, looking forward to seeing everybody out on, out on the road around Central Ohio this year. And, and I will ask you later in the program, I'm going to go ahead and ask you now, uh, if people want to, you, you've got a Facebook page so people can kind of check out and see some of the dates. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've started posting dates on there. We've got about 26 dates on the books right now, and you can find it at Rock House Columbus on Facebook and uh, a lot more to come. And one of those shows, and and I love, 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 love Jack Russell. And his his great white sounds amazing. Got a chance to see them a couple of years ago when they were in Columbus. And yeah. he's got a great young guitar player. Are you this is this is a show that's happening, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We got uh lined up to open for Jack Russell's Great White at uh one of our uh great partners um out in Nashport, Ohio, which is close to Newark, um, about an hour outside of Columbus. Uh Lazy Acres Campground. They have live music there every Friday and Saturday night all summer long every year. A lot of the big notable bands uh, here locally and regionally play there every year, and uh, they decided to do a big 80s-themed rock weekend this year called uh, Crazy Lazy 80s Weekend, and uh, we're going to be opening up for headliner Jack Russell's Great White on uh, Saturday, July the 14th. There you go. So as I write down my current top three rock bands, number one, Ice Ice Earth. There and you go. Number two, Rock House. <laughs> All right, a close so, second. Cannot. <laughs> you are in good company, yes, Doug sir. Blessing. Yes, you sir. Are, when did the music bug bite you? We're the same age. We have yep. the same musical tastes. People have told me before I even got to meet you that they said, you know what, Archie? You remind me so much of Doug from you guys are like kindred spirits. We wore the same Guns N' Roses. Showed up with the same damn t-shirt on tonight. Same Guns t-shirt. Guns N' Roses. Take us back. When did the bug, and you know what I'm talking about, when did you just fall in love I know exactly music? what you're talking yeah. about, and I can't think that my, uh, for anyone from, from that's around our age, uh, I can't think that their answer would be any di- anything different. It was Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Second grade. Right? I didn't prep him. I did not prep yeah. him. This is we're learning about Doug Blessing. S- second grade, I uh, got uh, Kiss Alive 1 and uh, shortly thereafter Kiss Alive 2, both on vinyl. Wow. And um, as I, I listened to your podcast with uh, my buddy Stretch, uh, same kind of thing. I just sat there and stared at the pictures for hours and listened to them. I literally had a Fisher Price, Fisher Price record player and would put those on in my room and uh, just stare at the pictures for yeah. hours and yeah, just man. listen to those songs over and over again. I had the posters on my walls and action figures, and uh, it was just like, and in the Kiss cards, and that was it, man. Kiss. You know so that we're smell? talking like set. I know the Kiss card smell. <laughs> that dirty, that dirty, smoky Musty, cardboard yes. smell smells yes. like my grandma's basement. Yes. And um, I'm thinking that would have been, I'm gonna say 77, mm-hmm. probably, because I def- definitely had Star Wars toys at the time, too, so, um, <laughs> yeah, Kiss in 77, man, that's what did it. It did. Yeah. For, for so many of us, and, and, and really, so, so, Kiss, now, where, I mean, the singing part, I mean, when did you, like, decide to, because there comes a time, like, where guys like Stretch, you, you mentioned him, your guitar player, he picks up an axe. You decide to sing. Now, I was more behind the scenes. I was consumed with reading the, uh, the, the and I know you were too, the, but all the fanzines and everything that happened, the metal edges, the rips, the circuses, <laughs> yeah. uh, the hip raiders, and all that stuff. And I really wanted to be on the, on the media side. I wanted to, to, to talk to these guys. When did you want to be 
one of these guys, evidently. You know, it wasn't long after that. I can specifically remember um, that I got the heavy metal uh, movie soundtrack on vinyl. Um, when I was in early high school, we need Still to do have that. It. We need to do that record, by the oh, way, yeah. too. Greg Hansberry, great, yeah. great. Oh album. hell yeah! And I remember some good anime uh, porn on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember um, singing uh, the title track, Sammy Hagar's uh, "Heavy Metal," with a broom handle and standing on the coffee table in my uh, in my family room when I'd get home from school and no one else was there, and cranking that up on uh, my mom's stereo turntable. So that would have been, you know, God, we're talking here. What are we thinking here? 82, maybe? Well, and, I'm glad you, and I'm glad you bring that up because I, I did stuff similar to that. And for guys our age and gals our age, too, something that was happening in the early 80s was your both of your parents, you know, or if you came from a single household, whatever, that person worked. I was a latchkey kid. Mm-hmm. I hustled home, and I knew it was going to be about, you know, an hour and a half before mom got home, and I knew it was going to be a couple hours before dad got home, so I had plenty of time to rock. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember doing that, too. This is the first time we've discussed this, Greg Hansberry. Yeah. Doug Blessing, thank you for bringing it up. You're welcome. But getting in front of that (laughs) mirror and cranking the tunes, not on my stereo, but my old man's. I mean, if he would have known that, you know, that I moved over his Hank Sr. and and, and Waylon Jennings records for, for, for Kiss Alive 2 and Destroyer, I mean, that was, it was all about being in front of that mirror, man. It was, it was. And I'd jump around from the coffee table to the couch. And, uh, you know, I was, um, I was straight up imitating uh, David Lee Roth. And, um, you know, I mean, and, you know, and, and, and uh, my gosh, you know, at that point in time, you're talking guys like Billy Idol and um, even Jay Giles' band. You know, um, with uh, Peter Wolf, were really popular on uh, on MTV, Absolutely. and, and that was my man. that's what I knew of as a lead as a frontman, not a guy that played guitar and sang like Paul Stanley, but a guy that literally had the freedom to just hold a microphone and jump all over the stage and uh, you know run around and and taunt the crowd. So that's what I was watching. And I'm glad you brought up Billy Idol because um, I was a huge Billy Idol fan, mm-hmm. and and really, I got kind of, you know, you know playing the Billy Idol throughout my radio career and stuff, you kind of, you get tired of certain songs. It just, it happens. It happens. There's a white but, wedding. But, but, <laughs> but, White Wedding, Rebel Yell, and I'm going to say this, and I've said this on the air on QFM before, your version, you absolutely made me fall in love with those Billy Idol songs again. You yeah, do a man, great thanks. you do a phenomenal job on those Billy Idol songs. And I and those now when I see you guys, I don't just, you know, yell play strutter, you know, I as <laughs> drunk Archie likes to do. Uh, we'd be disappointed if yeah, you didn't say it. If at least I didn't once. if I didn't yell it yeah. once. But but I mean you do a great you do a great version. So yeah, I, I thanks, just wanted to make man. sure I got that out there that uh uh, when you guys do pull out the bull- the Billy Idol, it sounds phenomenal, Doug. You do a great job. Yeah, with that it. means a lot. And I'll tell you what, um, we, uh, you know, Billy Idol has um, been on and off doing that residency at the uh, at the House of Blues in Vegas, and the guy is still killing it. You know, he's in great shape physically. His voice is still there, and he's got Steve Stevens by his side. I say, Stretch is kind of your Steve yeah. Stevens, isn't and he? I'll a tell you, bit? <laughs> we we pulled some videos uh, off YouTube of Billy of current day Billy Idol with Steve Stevens. And pulled a lot of the cues and stuff of how he, the the current arrangements of how they play those songs live, and copied some of that in our show. And um, that's where I got a lot of that from because he is still killing it, man. So God love him. And and, and I should say this before we get into the one of the hottest segments in podcast uh, in the podcast world, you guys, and, and I'm you know help me out here. 
you guys dress up. I mean, it is it is a show. It is a, an absolute blast from the '80s past. T- tell us about what you guys do. I mean, I mean, I'm sitting here saying you guys, you know, you do Billy Idol, you, you sing some '80s songs. No, man, it's so much more than that. You have a panties gun that you shoot up, bro. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I mean, come on, man. What can, yeah, what can I say? So, yeah, we, I, I, uh, I tell you what, man, we, uh, um, you know, myself and, and Stretch and Greg, I mean, one of the most fun things about getting out and playing um, this kind of music, you know, the, the uh, 80s hairband era, arena rock era music is, man, that was that music wasn't just the actual songs, but it was the whole Amen. persona. Amen. I mean, those guys were were larger-than-life characters. And I don't just mean the front man, but, you know, the guys like Tommy Lee and, you know... Um, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Even exactly. the drummers. I mean, these were characters, you know? I mean, they were, they were characters. Eddie Van Halen and, you know, um, these guys running around the stage and they had their signature clothes that they wore and their signature guitars that they played and their headbands and boots... And, um, you know, to leave that piece out of what this music is, I think, would be selling it short. And there's a lot of great bands that play 80s rock around uh, Central Ohio and so forth. But uh, we're one of the very few that, that tries to incorporate the visual aspects of it as well. And uh, I think that's what makes us um, stand out as individuals. And it, for me, it, it seems like that we'd be doing injustice not to do that. You've do, and you do a kick-ass job of it, brother. And now it is time for the hottest segment in podcast, what would you say? How would I say that? In what, what, what am I saying? In the in the, in the in uh, yeah, podcast the, realm, in the uh, current uh, podcast culture, mm, it's time for what's on your table. What's on your table? All right, you are up first. Producer always goes first. So Greg Hansberry, yeah, you know, uh, what's 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 on your table? Season three, episode four. Why not just break out the big fucking dogs? See, now you said the F word, bro. Oh, look at you. The White Album. Holy cow. The White cow. Album. Going Jeez. old school. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, we could probably do a whole, you know, a whole season on Amen. this record. A and Beatles. freaking men. What, a, what an iconic record that is. Um, no doubt. But I wanted to take a unique angle. You know, we talk about, we dig in deep about the songs and the songwriting and this and this. But, but also we talk about just, like... How the the records and shit when you go home and dance around the kitchen and singing songs and stuff. It's a total experience, yeah. man. There's so much more than just listening to it. There's it it, it affects you, man. The right. album that you're holding in your hand and and some of the pictures and stuff inside that yeah. white album. Particularly too, this it was my old man's tradition. Every birthday he would break out the white album. Come on, and play birthday Beatles uh, birthday. So it was actually my daughter's birthday this week. So you put uh, on, that's great. So I broke it out. You but continued then, the tradition. Yeah, but the, then like after birthday, it's your blues and all this. It's like you can't just stop the record at, at birthday. True. So uh, anyway, I've carried on the tradition. Her birthday was over a week ago. <laughs> I've still been rocking oh, the that's record great, over man. and over again. That's uh, great to have that on vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. D- Doug Blessing, what is on your table? What have you been jamming on, man? Well, I'll tell you what. Arch, I mean, this is gonna sound uh, this is gonna sound pretty cheesy, but um, I got this is 100% honest. My my favorite band um, from the 80s, quote unquote, hairband era, is a band out of LA called Pretty Boy Floyd. Yes, dude. And uh, I absolutely love how styled their image is. I mean, you see a picture of those four guys from back when their albums came out, and they were a band. They you could see them in a in a Walmart, and you'd know those guys were in a band. They were dressed to the nines, the jet black hair with the heavy eyeliner. And the chains, and um, the uh, two of the original members are, are still carrying the torch for Pretty Boy Floyd. I've seen them several times in the last few years, and they just released a new album uh, just a couple months ago called uh, Public Enemies. 
And it is 100% straight out of 1988. I've heard good things about and that. And I cannot get enough of it. I've been listening to it um, pretty much nonstop since I picked it up, uh, since I downloaded it. Um, and uh, and it just makes me smile. Listen to it. I'm like, I'm I'm all of a sudden I'm I'm 18 again. Isn't that you know? the best? Doug? It's the best. Isn't that the best? Yep. And, and, and really, that's that's where I'm going to go with mine as well. Another iced earth record. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna break my streak of iced earth. What's on your table? Uh, the uh, the latest from L.A. Guns. Uh, it was uh, released in, in 2017. I think it's still. And, and and we were talking about Eddie Trunk and what he means to us and and stuff as a broadcaster. I know he had this record. Uh, it was one of his top records of 2017, and that's uh, the missing piece from L.A. Guns. And just like you said with Pretty Boy Floyd, Doug, I think they were able to, L.A. Guns, kind of harness that sound. It doesn't sound... it. It's fresh, but damn it, it sounds like 1988. I agree. It, it, it absolutely does. And it's still a record, or, you know, and... I say record now because I'm trying to find it on vinyl, um, but I, I do. I downloaded it immediately, and I've been singing the praises of, of this record, and I cannot wait to see some of these songs live, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And I know uh, you as well, man. When you you know you like you said you you've tried to kind of if Pretty Boy Floyd is in in your if they're within 90 minutes, you're there. You're, I, and, I tell and, you what, you're more like be more like if they were within four hours. Four hours, here, I'd go in right on, and, and absolutely, and that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, with L.A. Guns, and I want to hear these new songs, uh, The Missing Piece, and that's P-A-C-E. See what they did there? Mm -hmm. But uh, it's just a phenomenal record. So that is what is on our table. But now it is time for the main event, today's record for vinyl analysis. Doug Blessing, uh, lead singer of Rock House, joining us here in the studio. And we're going to be discussing L.A. Guns' debut self-titled album. It was released January 4th, 1988. There was only one single off of this record, Doug, and that was Electric Gypsy. And that was a uh, quite a kick-ass video as well. Mm -hmm. Let me just say that. This band, and uh, we don't need to go into too much of the, of, of the history because I think the band itself, and we could sit there and we both have our Guns N' Roses t-shirts on. Yeah. But yes, you know the history of Tracy Guns and Axl Rose. And, and, and Tracy splitting slash coming in, and then and then Tracy forming the LA Guns that we know now. And it took a couple different runs there, uh, as far as the lineup, not the classic lineup that that we all like to talk about with the Kelly Nichols mm -hmm. and uh, and and then Riley on drums. Absolutely, and, and yeah. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You got it. But uh, this record, I'm gonna. That was kind of my opening statement as far as as this record goes. Uh, we'll get into uh, we'll get into more detail. But talk about it as from your viewpoint, Doug, and, and what it means. Because, honestly, I want to get into this record. I don't want to kind of dwell on the Guns N' Roses aspect, because mm -hmm. this is a kick-ass, kick-ass album. Oh, within its own right. It's an incredible album. And uh, I'll tell you what, when I was, um, I remember seeing it for the first time in a, in a record store, and that was back when there was, uh, Gold Circle was still in Westville, Ohio. That's where I used to go and pick up a lot of my stuff. And I saw the cover... And I love the cover art. It's obviously a rock and roll band, but I didn't know who it was. And I was like, L.A. Guns, you know, what is that? And um, this wasn't, you know, there was no internet, you know, back then. Right? So you heard a lot of stuff, just word of mouth about when new bands came out or you had to catch uh, maybe a video from them on Headbangers Ball on MTV. And I didn't know who L.A. Guns was. And I heard through word of mouth that it was a guy who was kind of in Guns N' Roses. Yeah, or right, right. 
So that, and, and, and I know you were just like me, Arch, that was all it took was someone saying that it had any anything at all to do with Guns N' Roses, and I went to the store and bought it. You know, that was all I needed to hear. Cool, it's rock and roll. It's the, they, these guys are out of LA. They probably sound like Guns N' Roses. I went and bought it. And I remember how freaking cool I felt <laughs> yeah, taking a, my LA Guns uh, album into school and starting to draw that logo on my notebook. And, um, and they were like, who's we LA did Guns? Sh- we and, did shit like that, Greg. Exactly. And I got to explain to them who, how, who LA Guns was and what the connection was with Guns N' Roses, who, of course, were just breaking out and everybody was you know, all about that. So and We'll get into Phil Lewis because I want to know, Doug, what your take is on him as a singer because I love Phil Lewis. But really, the, the heart and soul of LA Guns is Tracy Guns. And, and I put him up there. He is in, in this genre. You know, you hear me, Hansberry, talk about the George Lynch's, the Jakey Lee's. Uh, the, Tracy Guns, toe-to-toe, can go with any of these cats. He oh, yeah. is he's a phenomenal songwriter. He's very... Um, and, and some of the stuff that he was using on stage when I got to see them back in their heyday... He was using now. What's that damn thing? The Thurlow or the you know the third you know what I'm talking about? The yeah, the theremin. Theremin. Thank you. I mean, that was the first time I ever saw that. Yeah, was was with <laughs> yeah, at an sweet. LA Gun show, <laughs> and and I was just blown away by it. He just he's always been kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. I think now. Granted, it's it's Tracy Guns. It's not 1987 anymore. I get that, but I still think he is one of the best guitar players. And quite honestly. His story, and you hear me talk about Dave Mustaine, you know what? To to see the band that you might have been in take off and have success and not have that same level of success. Mm-hmm. You know, Mustaine doesn't have the same success that the Metallica did, but he was able to forge his own way, make his own road, and be successful. Tracy Guns was able to do that same thing, I think, sure. and write great music. I mean, just phenomenal music. But guess what? He didn't write Paradise Fucking City. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're moving on. I'm sorry, Mom. That was my first cuss word of the day. Yeah, my mom, I should mention, you made yeah. it a while, uh, yeah. Betty, Betty has told me to kind of tone back on the cussing, sorry, and that was Betty. the first one. I cussed earlier. Sorry, Betty. It's all good. She, she, she'll move on. She'll get through it. But, I mean, Tracy Guns, I mean, how do you rank them, Doug? I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, the guys that from that era, um, and and you know, you'll hear people talk about this all the time that that love the genre of uh, that the, that whole it, hair, that yeah, L.A. metal scene. Those guys were some of those um, guitar players, bass players, and drummers um, were some of the best musicians um, of our generation. But they get a bad rap because of the kind of music they play, and people didn't take hair hair metal seriously, or what's become known as hair metal seriously because of the look and everything that went along with it. But some of these guys were incredible, um, you know, players in the, in, in so many different aspects. And Tracy guns is one of those guys. I mean, just like you said, I mean, he is, he is every bit as good as the guys that, that, you know, came out of that era with everybody singing their praises, but because, you know, he wasn't in the guns and roses, he was in a band that probably never got much bigger than a large club or, you know, a, a you know, 2000, 2500 seat venue. Um, they might not take him as seriously, but I have seen him play from ten feet away on a half a dozen occasions, and the guy has got the freaking. <laughs> Me licks, too, brother. Man. Right on, you right on. It. He's Hell sharp yeah. as attack, and still is to this day. Absolutely, still is to this day, and it's probably been. For me, it's been, I, I bet it's been five, six years since I've seen Tracy play live, mm-hmm. and it's just something that, especially with this new record and everything, it's just something that I have to do. Phil Lewis. What yeah. does he mean to you as a singer? What I mean, how do you... Because his his vocal stylings, it was different. 
he was an English guy, and a lot of times you'll 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 hear people say, "Well, I can't tell he's from England." Kind of, you could with him, mm-hmm. and it it worked. It I don't know. I'm just I'm a huge fan of his as well, and I think he kind of gets kind of pushed in the back and really gets forgotten. Uh, he's an amazing songwriter. Still has great pipes, I should mention. Yeah, and a lot of the guys that we talk about from that era, that shit passed them by, and they don't have it. Uh, Phil does. Are you are you a Phil fan? I mean, what yeah, did you think oh, yeah. it is? Yeah, you His know, pipes, I've, I've seen him um, anytime that they have come around here uh, over the last, you know, my gosh, it's, I, I'm embarrassed to say, but you know what, we're talking 30 years here. Um, I've seen them play at a dozen different venues um, in Ohio and a couple of surrounding states. And as I mentioned you, a couple of festivals out in LA and I've seen him play with, I mean, every version of the band that they've had. And uh, you know what, the guy's got the pipes and I'll tell you what, he, when, when this album was coming out, he wasn't the guy that had like these crazy dynamics like an Axl Rose. Right, right, you know? right. But they, he had a unique sound, you know, and I, I and very unique, for lack Doug. of someone that else coming to mind right now, I'm going to compare him to Stephen Piercy because you can't have Rat without Stephen Piercy because Stephen Piercy's voice is so unique to Rat. And that's what Phil Lewis is to me with L.A. Guns. You know, you got a Steve Riley on the drums back in the day. You got an incredible guitar player in, in Tracy Guns. But you can't take the Phil Lewis voice off of L.A. Guns and expect it to be the same thing. And, and you can't. And and that's why I'm so glad. And and really, we think about it, all these bands that we love from that from that era. They they break off. They do different things. You know, there's two different Great Whites. There's two different L.A. Guns. There's two different. You know, there's four different Dawkins and Rats and whatever the hell else <laughs> is going on. <laughs> you know, the new doors. But, but to have the nucleus. Right to have the nucleus, I, I think that's why I'm so excited about this record. Their new one, I'm going all over the place, but but it's it's important to say this when I'm even kind of referencing the older record, how important Tracy's guitar playing is and Phil's vocals are, and mm-hmm. and and it's just I I'm always happy when they can kind of get past the bullshit, and, and and that's the biggest. I mean, don't you think guitar guitars and your singer? I mean, mm-hmm. those a lot of times. Unless you're in Rush. You know what I mean? The drummer drummer don't do shit. All right? There, we got that out of the way. All right? So, uh, and don't tell Brad Heston, because I'm trying to get a hold of Brad, and I want him to come back on. But, but I mean, to have the, your core sing- songwriters, I guess is what I'm jiving at, mm-hmm. it's good to have that. And 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 they're lucky to even have that, to keep it going, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I was fortunate enough to be, um, to go to the Hair Nation Festival two years ago out in L.A., which was one of the very first shows when um, Tracy decided to come back and play. So they hadn't even started recording the new album yet at the time. And um, they played on the side stage. And uh, man, the crowd, I mean, just right? migrated out of the main stage area out to there to see it's Tracy Guns and Phil Lewis, you know? And, um, and that's, that's good that's enough. What the, I mean, I, and no, no disrespect to the other guys. And I'll tell you what, I'm a huge Steve Riley fan. Um, and uh, met him several times. He's a good. Everybody tells me he's loved a great guy. Playing, yeah, everybody great, tells man. me he's a great guy. Loved his playing with Wasp. Loved his playing with L.A. Guns. Um, but uh, man, here you are standing back and you're looking up and you're seeing Tracy Guns next to Phil Lewis, and it's that same chemistry that you'd see, you know, with a um, and you see, know, a Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, or a uh, Eddie Van Halen, David Lee Roth. It's just like those two guys belong together, you know? And, and it's not crazy to, to say that with those names because it's just as important to the essence of that band that those two guys are back together and mm-hmm. singing and playing together. 
Yep, exactly. Our last episode of Vinyl Analysis, we did Pearl Jam 10, and a lot of it was talking about just how cool and tight that that Seattle scene is, which is very similar to what was going on in L.A. these days. Yeah. So, and school me, and I know you don't want to dwell on on the GNR thing, but uh, where does all that come into play? Because I know, was Guns, was Tracy part of GNR and then yeah, came back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, school, yeah, yeah. Explain like I'm five because I'm a I'm a millennial and I only I I don't know <laughs> right? a lot about it. Was was Axel ever in LA Guns? Yeah, in fact, from the books that I've read, and, and Doug, tell me if I'm wrong or or mm-hmm. wh- whatever. But I mean, I think they actually even kind of roomed together. You know, it's very it was very incestuous back then. Where as far Absolutely as these, was yeah, uh, you just you you didn't know guys were in so many different bands and you were just putting together missing pieces and, and, and stuff, you know, it's the different parts, the interchangeable parts that were going on. Um, Axel and Tracy Guns in Guns N' Roses had issues towards the end of that. All right. A Duff McKagan comes in out of Seattle and, and, and he kind of joined the band at this point from everything I'm reading over the years. Axel... And Tracy Guns, that's where the problem was. That's where the friction was. Mm-hmm. Well, Axel yep. and anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, and, and, and Tracy actually was. And, and there's a there's a there was another band in this history called Hollywood Rose. Right. That's and, the and, Guns and Roses. Right. Guy, and there's da, just da, da, da. there you go. And and really to kind of to finger point it, and and you hear different stories, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like how many times did George Lynch, and I've said this before, how many times did George Lynch try out for Ozzy? There's so many fucking stories. That f- that floated around, and it just depends on whose book you read exactly. on how it all went down. Exactly. Yeah. But the vibe I get, it was it was Tracy was in with Guns and Roses, and it just didn't work with Axel for whatever reason, and that was it. And then you get Slash, that takes off, and that was a whole other type of movement. You know what I mean? And really, one of the biggest bands to. to I mean, come on. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I, the funny thing is, like you said, Arch. I mean, everything was incestuous back then, and people act like. You know, these bands were spawned out of these other bands. But when they say, you know, Hollywood Rose or these guys play, I mean, back in those days, it could have been for a month. You know, exactly. it, it, it could have been true. a band that true. never got any farther than playing a venue in front of 20 people. But, you know, it's part of the story. It, it's cool. all part of the story. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what makes this era so special to me is that it was a it was a lifestyle for all these people out there. And like you said, it was it was incestuous. And all these bands were traveling through the same bars, pitting, putting their flyers up on the same posts and uh you know trying to see who could tease their hair bigger who could wear more leather and chains and that's what makes this era so special to me is it was a scene man it was a real scene yeah and and just to blow your mind hansberry i mean don dawkin almost ended up in the scorpions bro i mean that's that's where we're at with this i mean it was just you 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 never knew now have you gone and i and i and i'm assuming you have and it's I need to get back out to L.A. I've got to hit the Sunset Strip again mm-hmm. and, and see some of the spots because the last time I was out there, it was before you know smartphones and and the cameras <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. You know, and I think I have pictures on my disposable. The <laughs> your you finger know. in front of the flash. Yeah, yeah. I, I really need to get back out there and experience it. Uh, we had Dorsey on on last week, and he was talking about going back to Seattle mm-hmm. and just seeing where the albums were recorded and stuff. And this place, you know, Sunset Strip, Doug, that was, that's kind of, that's, it's our, that's as it's, important as Abbey Road it's is. It's our motherland, man. To, it's to Greg's motherland. dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the promised land. And, you know, I went out there, um, I went out for um, uh, an event called Cat House Live uh, three years ago, which was put on by Ricky Rackman, who many people yeah, might man. remember, was the original host of Headbangers Ball. 
And I went out there for that, and it was all of you know. I could rattle off the names of the bands, but you know, you know who they are. All the all the, all the LA bands were playing at that festival. I got out there a couple days early, and I wanted to go down to the strip and and hopefully have the opportunity to see a band at one of the cool venues. And it just so happened that uh, one of my favorites from the era, Saigon Kick, <laughs> was, was playing at uh, yeah. was playing at the Viper Room. So I go to the Viper Room, see Saigon Kick. And I'm standing there watching the show, and I look, uh, I turn around to go get another beer, and Sebastian Bach from Skid Row is literally standing right behind me, watching the show with his girlfriend. And I'm like, this is everything to me. Like, this is what I always pictured this scene would be like. And, uh, you know, it still holds that magic. Obviously, it's not, not, it'll never be the same as it was. But, uh, yeah, man, it just has this feel like walking, driving down in my rental car and passing Whiskey A Go Go, uh. passing the Rainbow, pulling around back of the Viper Room, getting in my spot and going inside and rubbing elbows with Sebastian Bach and the guys from uh, the guys from Saigon Kick and seeing all these people still coming in with teased hair and leather. It it just it just warmed my heart, man. You know what can you say? You know, and you think about it, the rainbow. I mean, that's Limmy used to have his own spot there. I mean, they've got a statue yeah. of Limmy there now. I mean, that's it's right. just. It's just he kind of was hanging out there drinking all the time, and it's just it's uh they'll never ever and and God bless Seattle and that whole movement and and any other of the of the rock scenes throughout the eras, but they'll we were spoiled, bro. Yeah, there will we never were... be another thing like it was so over the top. It was so flamboyant. It was so, I mean it was yeah. just the eighties. It was in excess. And and for us to be back home, you know, we're all in Ohio. We're Ohio kids, mm-hmm. and we're sitting there just thumbing through these magazines, like, what the hell? What is what is this? Is it was a whole other world, man. It was, you know. And I say it was so visual. Everything was so visual. You know, you had to have the look. You know, it didn't. And that was, a, I think, the biggest difference from uh, um, from what was going on in the '70s and what was going on in the '90s. Is the '80s? You not only had to hit the music on the head, but you had to have that look. And I'm sitting here, Arch, you know, looking at the back of the, the picture on the back of the LA Guns <laughs> album. You see those five guys walking down the street together, and you're like, that's a band. Those guys are in a band. Yeah. I mean, look at that picture. You know, they've all got the tats. They've all got the the collars around their neck and the and the jet black hair and the chains and the leather. And, man, that was, that was a huge part of what you needed to be. The aviator glasses, you know, that was a band back then. And like, you know, you had to have that look to to even have a chance to make it. And uh, I think that that was what makes you, it makes me carry so much uh, nostalgia for that is like, you know, it, it was it was a total, total scene. Vinyl analysis is fueled by Grand Prix karting. And I should mention you get the indoor racing, combat inspired laser tag, escape rooms and the kid zone, gpkcolumbus.com. And uh, yes, yeah, we wear our, uh, Guns N' Roses t-shirts, Doug. I got to yeah, give man. another shout out to uh, Chris Bowen over at Grand Prix Karting. Uh, I'm saving the Appetite for Destruction album vinyl analysis for him. I almost when mentioned that in. one to you, and I'm like, you know what? That is such a special thing that I feel like if the sponsors got to get that exactly, the sponsors got to get that. It's like the crown jewel of anything from this era. Without it, a doubt. really is. They pipe in. Uh, Welcome to the jungle in the kids zone. See, so, yeah, see that's, I don't know. Maybe uh-huh. it's Night Train. Do they do Night Train? So let's go back and let's just, as far as the tunes that we want to get played Mm -hmm. on that Spotify playlist to kick off the LA Guns debut album, No Mercy. My favorite off the album. See, are you you an an opening song kind of guy? Almost always. Almost always, because for whatever reason... It seems like the bands from this era, and I could—I bet I could pull twenty albums uh, within five minutes. 
where the second song on the album was almost always the first single. I don't know why that always was, but but from this era, the second song on the album was usually the single. So most people back then would get it and skip to the second song because that's the song they knew. Well, it seemed like the hardest rocking song on the album was almost always the first song. It grabs you, man. It grabs it you, man. It had to, or you were yeah. going to walk away, man. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it, this this is a perfect example, man. Um, no, uh, when, I, when I saw them for the first time, I was really, really hoping they would keep these the first three songs on this album back to back, the same way as on the album, because they talk in between and kind of merge them together. Right. And they did, man. They went no mercy into sex action into one more reason, and I about lost it because it was perfect. No, it was yeah, perfect. I, man. I've I've always said that. <laughs> no, and and Stretch and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, your guitarist uh, in in Rock House, we were talking about this how Detroit Rock City and King of the Nighttime World, yeah, rock radio should have album oriented rock should have put those together for yeah, us. Yeah, man, they I, should have put those together for us. I'm with you. And on those three songs, Greg. Are making the Spotify oh, playlist. Uh, my, I mean, just just yeah. absolute perfection. I mean, if you look at that first first side of the album, "No Mercy," "Sex Action," "One More Reason," right into "Electric Gypsy," the biggest single off the album, into "Nothing to Lose." That guess. is just so solid, man. It's it just is solid '80s rock and roll. It is. And as far as the ballad goes, because you had to have one of those, Greg Hansberry. You had to have a well, ballad. Sure, yeah, huh? Well, they had. Uh, one way ticket. You had the cry no more instrumental mm-hmm. into into a one way ticket, and and that's what and that's an amazing song as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, it obviously wasn't. Uh, I don't think that their rec- the record company was. W- I think the record company was kind of lumped them in with Guns and Roses, so they were maybe a little hesitant to release a ballad from them off this first album, trying to keep it maybe a little bit more edgy. But obviously, as things turned out, as we know, off their second album, Cocked and Loaded. Uh, Ballad of Jane was really the uh, th- was the song that catapulted them probably yeah. to a little more mainstream recognition. And uh, you know, any band from this era had to have that signature ballad, and and theirs came you know on their second album instead of their first. Yeah, and, and really, a lot of these songs were already in the can from this first record, and and their previous singer had written some of the songs as mm-hmm. well. So that's why when you have this album coming out when it did in 1988. And they were able to put out "Cocked and Loaded" in 1989. Right, they were they were writing those songs. I mean, that's why those those two albums are so close together. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and it's cool that Phil's voice really worked out with with most of those songs. And now that he's thrown out "Ballad of Jane," I gotta make sure that I get this on the Spotify playlist from 1991's Hollywood Vampires. Over the edge. Over the edge. You Fantastic have that song. is my all time favorite L.A. Gun song. That is a song that. Live, honest to God, it is it is a moment for diehard LA Guns fans when Absolutely. they play that song. Yeah, that is that's our moment. And I just to have that song, you know, recorded in 1991 when when you know, in Hollywood Vampires not wasn't the biggest album in the world, and there was already kind of a changing of a guard. Mm-hmm. Now you asked, you know, in the last episode, Greg, if in Dorsey did too, if if the Seattle scene threw some of these bands into. Uh, it, L.A. Guns right. was a casualty almost in, 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 in a lot of this. Right. They were. But 1991's Hollywood Vampires album is still one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh, with Crystal Eyes on there. Malaria, of course. Oh, dude. Yeah. And, but, but, but that, I'm telling you, man, Over the Edge is still... I want to hear the new songs when I go see L.A. Guns again. I mm-hmm. want to hear the new songs off the new album. But damn it, I, I got to hear Over the Edge. 
I got it here over the edge. It's still one of my all-time favorites. I, as far as, from what I could re- recall, I saw them uh, two years in a row. I saw them in uh, 15 and 16, that that song was in the set both times, as yeah. was Malaria. Um, it's a jam, too. Yeah, wow. malaria. a jam, jam, too. Yeah, right. Yeah. So and I think I think he likes Malaria because his voice is really in the pocket on that song, and um, it allows him to kind of stretch it out, but it's not like, there's not so much high stuff that oh, that's cool. he you might be in danger yeah. not hitting the notes, but Malaria really showcases... Uh, Kind of what, what what he's like when he's in the pocket. Uh, lead singer of Rock House, Doug Blessing. I hope that your visit to the Vinyl Analysis podcast was as enjoyable as uh, as as Greg and I had with it today. I hope you yeah, had a good man. Time, I'll tell you, I, I could talk about the, this uh, this era all day long, and uh, this is one of my favorites. So thanks for having me in. No problems. And I'm going to say this: I like to kind of throw albums for us to to think about the next time. You mentioned Wasp. You want to do that first record with me? Oh man, yes, you want to do that, that would first be amazing. Record? That yes. was absolutely that was it that was, was huge, man. Yeah, that was it a was. huge. Yeah, you had to you had to uh, ebb some of your fears as a as a as a teenager, as a kid, man. and look at the imagery on that and, and be able to move past it and listen to music. And man, I remember that very clearly. Hell yeah, yeah I'd love to do that. And, and Blackie Lawless, when we're talking about singers and you being a lead vocalist, one of the most identifiable identifiable you can't, you can't do wasp without blackie thank you man you can't thank you yep doug blaze uh, doug blessing thank you so much and and we'll catch up again soon brother thanks Arch. and i've already kind of you're you're going to iced earth with me so that's already, <laughs> that's, kind of a, that's kind of a done deal for producer greg hansberry i am arch madness and this has been vinyl analysis stay frosty <laughs> My winter warlocks.